We're talking to Gabriel. Gabriel is a photographer from Argentina, living in Prague in the Czech Republic. Gabriel is my friend. We met at the gym many, many years ago. And uh, yeah, we stayed friends. And actually, he's, he's, he's an example of, of when you... One of the benefits of moving away from your home country uh, and into an environment where you don't know anyone is that you actually start meeting different people than, than you know back home. And uh, Gabriel is definitely one of those. I, I'm, I'm sure that I would never have met anyone like him or started being his friend if I would have stayed in Iceland. And uh, yeah, we, we had a chat about Argentina, uh, its culture, why Argentina fails. Argentina hasn't paid its debt nine times over the last 200 years. I mean, that's, that's no other country, I think. And uh, we talked Maradona his travels and transformation he has transformed his career from from different uh, from a different industry to to photography and uh, yeah we had a good chat it was interesting um, he even told me things that i didn't know hope you'll enjoy it guys and for the sponsors uh, that's the old bar prague um, you can come and take away or get delivered home perfect food oatmeal skier uh, goodies and juices and uh, alfred.cz uh, that's a job search webpage and an app that you can find your dream job without putting any effort into it sounds too good to be true but it is actually true try it out uh, welcome to the bunker Gabriel Matula Thank you very much. How are you today? Very good. So you just woke up, right? Yes. What time is it? Three? Uh, four? four o'clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a true Latino. I need a nap yeah. daily. Yeah. Uh, so we know each other for some years, right? Um, I don't know, what, six, seven years? Even more, maybe it was 2012. Yeah. 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 And uh, we met in a gym, CrossFit Praha. Uh, the first and oldest CrossFit gym of of Prague. Yeah, cool place. And uh, and I remember we uh, actually quite soon after we met, we we started hanging out outside of the gym. And and uh, our first date was uh, we went to a motorbike <laughs> track. <laughs> yeah. Which you you had never tried motorbikes and uh, no, that was my first time. Yeah, this was these all, all, all what's it called four wheel, all all wheel drive motorbikes or whatever dirt bikes and um, yeah, it was quite an experience to watch you uh, <laughs> in first gear driving like an old lady around that track and uh, crashing with the trees, crashing oh. with the tree at the speed of three kilometers yeah. per hour. But yeah, now. Nowadays, Gabriel works here in Prague as a as a photographer. He actually works internationally. I mean, you work all over the world, right? Yes, yes, yes. Try to try to work everywhere. This is kind of my goal, I guess. Yeah, to travel around and and work and take pictures everywhere mm. and get clients everywhere as well. And yeah, that would be a good if you got clients. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you I know that th- this year or, or late last year you were working out of Florida, right? Yes, I was 3 months in the US. Uh-huh. Yeah. Working few projects. Okay. And uh, 
but it hasn't always been like that. I mean, like you, I, I, I um, yeah, well, actually, back when we met, you had just recently come here to Prague and uh, and you were kind of in a transition transition at that time. Um, and uh, you're from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. Yes. How, what's the background there? I mean, you're, you're born there? I was born there in a neighborhood called Caballito. Mm. It means little horse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a middle class neighborhood mm. from, well, I guess, the, uh, I'm living in front of a park. It's a very nice area. Mm. And yeah, I grew in a family. My dad was a normal family, middle class. My dad was an artist and he was uh, making a living out of something else. He's a medical prom- promoters, you know, mm. those guys who go to doctors and sell some drugs from laboratories. My mom is a, a psychologist. And mm. um, yeah, I, I guess somehow Argentina was Buenos Aires. Uh, was changing very much mm. uh, back then in when when I was young. Uh, I, I guess it was very nice to to spend time there. I was a, I guess I have a kind of happy childhood. Yeah, you yeah. were the only child, right? Yes, yes. Back then it was amazing. A lot of toys, a yeah. lot of attention. Great but did stuff. you did you feel that to be different than from your friends, like to be to be the only child? I mean, did you see it as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I'm always, even now, I'm feeling like weirdo. Mm-hmm. I, I guess when I was a kid, it was even more visible that uh, maybe I, had, I was more lonely kid mm. than other kids. Like, of course, the kid has uh, siblings. They were like uh, playing soccer or whatever in the street mm. or in the park. And I was mostly at home uh, watching cartoons and drawing and playing with my action figures and stuff like this. So, yeah, I guess... Um, so you were more in your own world, in a way. Totally, yeah, 100%. That My mom freaks out from this. Uh, back then, she was, like, really freaking out. That, and then she sent me to a psychologist and see what's, if, if what's there wrong was something with wrong with me. <laughs> and uh, so she was worried that, uh, that, that you wanted to spend time with, more, over spending more time with yourself than with other kids. I guess so, yes. Mm -hmm. She was really, I was like over there, imagine like even having a corona time, Mm -hmm. completely isolated home, Mm -hmm. watching TV and and, and watching cartoons and things like this. While other kids in Argentina, they were a little bit more proactive, like I guess because of football, like soccer is pretty Mm -hmm. big there. I'd, I'd never been good at it and I didn't really like it. So mm. I didn't really enjoy to go and run after a ball, yeah. right? Um, so, so for some reason, this makes me more isolated for the rest of the kids. Mm. Uh, and, and also the fact that my dad was an artist, somehow, um, I guess that create um, kind of a bubble in a way, like kind of like a more unique kind of world. In mm. comparison to the other kids, mm-hmm. because we were on Sunday afternoon, we went to the museums, mm-hmm. no and no, one, no other kids went there. They no went to play football, one, or of, of course, mm. like no one in town, or at least in my neighborhood, was doing this. You know, and this is something that made me. I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not saying a weirdo, but makes me a, a different kind of mm. mindset as a kid. You know. Mm. Um, 
Plus, I was surrounded because I'm an only child and I was surrounded by adults all the time. Mm-hmm. So another memory I have is, that, for example, when, my, when, when there was like meetings with adults or dinners or something and all the kids were going and playing whatever, mm. uh, you know, in, 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 I don't know, I was still sitting with the adults mm-hmm. trying to follow a conversation. I, of course, didn't understand, but in a way... Somehow was was more, I was more involved in the adult world than in the kids world. So for as a kid, it was a little bit, I would say, yeah. You were an outsider in a way, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but how how is you say that you know the 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 city is changing at this time and and uh, um, was it is it a safe place or was it you know like how, how is Buenos Aires? I mean. I, I don't think it's a safe place. Um, I think you get used to it. Mm. As uh, every major city is is is, is a rush. Like um, there's a lot of. I mean, the transit is crazy. Mm. You can get crashed by a car very easily if you mm. don't watch every corner. Mm. It's not like here that you put a you know step in the sidewalk and the the car will stop. Mm. Over there, they I guess it, you had to. They speed of, up. Yeah, they speed up. <laughs> <laughs> they will try to hit you. <laughs> And uh, plus, of course, robberies and stuff, violence. It's, mm. it's not a safety place. Um, this is a funny story. Like once, I guess I was about 11 or 10 or something. Mm. And my mom was really freaking out because I spent a lot of time alone in my place. I mean, in my parent place. And then she decided to, she sent me to the psychologist and the therapist uh, recommend me to, or recommend her to buy me a bike. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's try it. So I was learning how to bike. bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, back then, I, I guess I already knew, but I, I didn't. I haven't been out, you know, often. So, anyways, first time we went to the toy shop, mm. and they bought me a bike for kids, like the small bike. So I remember that it was the first weekend after this. Mm. I went to the street with my friends back then with the bike. And I got stolen. Mm-hmm. They stole the bike? Yes, right away. <laughs> and that was the end of the story, man. Yeah. Then I came back to my action figures and TV and Never, cartoons. No more biking. No more biking. Mm. But is it like, uh, uh, you know, Argentina in general is, is um, I read it somewhere, that they say it's quite a European, from, from South America, it's, it's kind of a European city or, or country yeah, Asset. totally. It's um, I, I guess it's a mix of Madrid and and maybe Paris. It's it's very yeah, mm. it's very much. I mean, we we came out of migration mm. and in between wars, mostly Spanish, uh, Italians, and then mm. you're hiding some Germans there as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. In and South Argentina, there's a lot of them. And and uh, yeah, I know. For example, in your case, I, you have an Italian passport, right? Yes. And why why is that? My great grandfather mm. went to Argentina from uh, Consolidazione War. It's when Italy uh, got unified as uh-huh. a yeah, yeah. one country, and since then the family started developing Argentina. And but you have relatives in Italy as well, right? Or I may have. My mom was once to check uh, who was left there, mm. <clears throat> but I don't really. I don't. I'm not in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that happens. I guess it's like my passport is out of my dad's family. Mm. 
And my mom has also Italian and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we came out all around. Mm. And when people say that it's a European or, or we, I don't know, the most European styled country, what do they mean? But I mean, what, now you've lived in Europe and yeah. then you lived there and I know that you travel to other countries in South America. I mean, what what is it that makes people say this? Um, is okay. it the people? I, or, or? I, guess the, I guess the lifestyle. So it's a bit like, for example, we can appreciate to be sitting in a cafe you know, with the uh-huh. friends and have a talk and you are not rushing, whatever, like, or even in the lunchtime, if you're working in a company, you go to the to the cafeteria and then after the lunch, you take some time to whatever, talk mm. to your colleagues. And also, of course, architecture, it's, it's, it's very nice. Uh-huh. Um, so I would say, yes, it's, um, it's a little bit of everything. And I guess it's not, Something came out of my mind. I was like, for example, we are not in that style more like uh, United States, for example. Mm-hmm. So we are like a little bit of a mix of both. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is something that I, I would say now, living in Europe, um, I feel quite comfortable with the lifestyle, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a big contrast yeah. in that sense. And, and even I choose a place that is far from my culture of course yeah Czech Republic mm-hmm. so and and still there's something that reminds me home yeah yeah it's um I mean for for us like the outsiders I mean I've unfortunately I haven't been to Argentina I know that I have an open invitation from you uh, to go there and uh, and one day my friend we will go there together and raise some hell <laughs> but uh, for, for the outsider I mean we we see Argentina and we think uh, football, we think um, barbecue. Un- <laughs> well, actually, I don't. I'm not sure that a lot of people. Well, maybe yeah, mo- most people that are listening to this would know that that you have amazing meat and a lot of red wine. Mm. And uh, yeah, then we think bad economy and unstable politics in some way, and yeah, and dictatorships and stuff like yeah. that. And I'm actually um, curious about it because you know, I before we we recorded this, I was doing a little bit of a, a research into Argentina, and I found out that that in 200 years, nine times, Argentina has not been able to cover its debts as, as the state debt um, towards then the World Bank or whomever is the creditor, probably the U.S. in, in many cases and so on. And, uh, and you've had, let's say, political instability, you've had hyperinflation, yeah. um, and, and, and this is still seems to be happening like every almost every five years or something like that. And I'm just uh, curious why, what, 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 what makes it like that? You know, why, what is it in the culture of that, that nation that kind of makes it repeat the same thing? Uh, I guess that nobody really knows. Uh, I guess there's, there's definitely something wrong about this. Um, uh, Argentina, it's a very rich country in terms of natural resources. So, mm. and perhaps this is one of the problems that the the, the corruption is so big there mm. that you are never completely screwed. Mm. So it's so rich that somehow, after a crisis, then you can start over. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And and of course, this this is this really is not. It's not great that the the people cannot have a 
proper, you know, like stability. I mean, I would say like the most complicated there is the middle class. Mm. Middle class is, you will see a lot of young professionals in the war from Argentina, you know. I mean, it's really... They leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is something quite, I won't say new, but like since 10, 10 years, mm. it's, it's, it's increasing mm. the, the amount of young people living. Um, and this is like a loop. Mm. And you know, it's like a loop of the defeat. So all the times you you go to a completely shitty economy crisis, the currency drops, mm. the banks steal your money, and stuff like this. And then little by little, start to recover, and somehow you get used to this. Which is, is I guess, is a little bit of the the problem. You know, so you get used to this, and yeah, yeah. you can. You know, you can live there. Even you, you can survive in a way. It's not the. It's, it's not like your. Uh, what to say? Um, it's not that you are completely screwed. You will mm. end up in the street or mm. whatever. I mean, you could survive even if the country is in a shitty economy and then there's crisis. Like this pandemic thing, screw up most of the business, mm. and they were they closed everything for seven months. Mm -hmm. So it was like total lockdown. It was forbidden to go to the street for seven months since mm. March until recent. And everywhere, I mean, people like stores, restaurants, everywhere, everywhere was really complaining. I'm watching Argentina news quite often. Mm. And after they open, it's like a party everywhere. Mm. And nobody really remembers <laughs> that yeah, they yeah. were, you know, struggling that bad. Yeah. So yeah, I guess... I, I'm, I'm not sure what is wrong there. Maybe it's a lack of memory or just to, you know, try to forget and and and, and, and struggling or... But yeah, it looks like a nation that never learns out of their own mistakes. But I, 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 I you know, like I, I'm obviously not Argentinian and, and uh, but I, I've always felt talking to you and, and, and all the people that I know f from there that that you have this forgiveness somehow in you, in you, like that that even you know you stay friends with someone who does bad things, and yeah. I think you said it once that the the moral lines are somehow yeah, blurry. Yeah, yeah, the the, the the boundaries of the ethics, yeah. right? They could be a little bit flexible, I guess. Um, yeah, you could be friend of someone who raped your wife. Yeah. <laughs> What great choice, <laughs> but <laughs> but but I mean, if 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 this person was your friend previously, right? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't make because friendship is like higher above than everything else. Yes, exactly. But I don't know, man. And says uh, we are weirdos. Yeah, I, um, but it's visible in the politics because you know, like uh, uh, in a lot of cases like this, if 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 a country would go through a recession where maybe people are losing their money in the bank, like. I don't know, once every 10 years or whatever, you know, yeah. it it would mean blood. It would mean yeah, like rebellion. Yeah, revolution. Yeah. You you don't really have that. I mean, you had some military governments and dictatorships that kind of came out of, out of non-democratic processes, but but you always forgive. Yeah, no, I guess. I guess that this is maybe one of the problems. I guess that um, it, it, it somehow, uh, you know, you're set up, your mindset when you're there is like, um, 
you had to go through the thing, survive, and and don't think too much, I guess. So I guess that this forbidden thing is like uh, you forgive and yeah, you somehow ready to move forward. Doesn't matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't hold grudges for years about something. No, and also uh, I'm trying trying to think in the personal perspective like mm. if if something happened to me um like directly and yeah a lot of things happening to me there and i guess like i didn't really forgive in and in, 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 in what the issues i got there and that's mm. why i decided somehow to to leave to leave and to try somewhere else and to do some another experience um mm. but there's many many people that they would just be happy with their barbecues with the football on Sunday and, and their comfort zones. And those are the, the ones who will accept more of the Bullshit. shit that can uh, happen, uh. you know? And, and I'm not really judging this. I'm, I'm feeling like this is also like another way of taking life and it's not bad. And I would be really happy if I could manage the things like this. Mm. I just got completely crazy out of watching news there, for example. Mm. No, mm. or you told me the, the other day something about the as an example with the COVID thing that uh, with the vaccines. Yes, that was amazing. They they it looks like now uh, there's a vaccine gate. They like po- some politicians got vaccinated first. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a, and there's a doctors and nurses waiting for the list for the vaccine, and now not just the politician but all their assistants, the. The car drivers, the babysitters, babysitters like uh, young guys who worked in uh, like from home, they got mm-hmm. vaccinated because they are relatives or friends or whatever. And what happens in this case? Like after twelve months of COVID, the politicians obviously are being corrupt, and they're giving the vaccines to themselves and their friends and family. What happens? Well, now there's a there's a one specific news channel that they are showing and broadcasting all this stuff. And recently, I guess it was a Sunday, there was a, like a manifestation, like strike in the, in, in, in the street. Uh-huh. With, there was a lot of people complaining and stuff like this. And yeah, it was quite big, but it never gets more than this, you mm-hmm. know? It's not, it's there, there's no blood. That's mm. true. And I don't know if it's good or bad. The thing is like, yeah, it's good because it's the, we seems to be quite a, Pacific, whatever. Yeah, p- p- passive. Yeah, yeah, passive people. But mm. anyways, uh, the things never change. And I guess that also, this is this is not just. Um, it's it. I guess it's a little bit sad because it looks like a. As I say, it looks like a loop. So mm. you never you, you don't see your progresses there mm. in a way. You know, so it's tiring. But it has has. I mean, I told you, and now you told me once that I, I was. Uh, I remember at some point here you, you hadn't had some interesting projects for a while, and and then you told me, well, if I was, of the money that I make here, I could easily live for a very long time back home in Argentina because I could sleep on a different friend's couch or hang out in their living room for a few weeks <laughs> and then move to the next one. So you, you have this kind of family friend and i don't know no one no one would judge you even if you're lazy right uh no well i guess that we are 
we are set up for being um, friend. I would say like a friendly with everybody, and and you can you can you can get help. You can count with help by default. Mm. I guess this is the. Now that's the, very the positive. Minute, you know, I mean uh, that's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great because you know that it doesn't matter. And this is maybe all connected what we were talking previously. Like, it doesn't matter what you did if you raped your your friend's wife, or if you're struggling with whatever money, or it doesn't mm. matter what you did or, or, or who you are. You always have a. We're not promoting rape on this episode, just to be clear, though. Yes, just perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> but you, but in a way, you you always have like some help by default. Yeah, it could be a friend. It could be a, I don't know, like quantity. It could mm. be a relative family, or, yeah. relative. So, in a way, you feel protected, but some somehow of like mm. the people there. So, mm. when people here in Europe tell me, "Oh, you're Latin, so friendly," blah blah blah, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." I I also feel this um, that this this situation, you are never completely alone there. Mm. I don't know if because I belong to this culture, but I also got the feeling that if something happened to me here, nobody would realize no, after and, uh, a couple no. months. <laughs> there would be a very bad smell coming from your apartment. <laughs> exactly. Maybe my neighbor will feel yeah. it, will smell it, you know? No, but I, I actually wanted to ask you that because you 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 come from, as you say, you come from a country where it's 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 normal to be helpful. The default setting is nice. And then you move to a country where the default setting is hate. <laughs> yes, and, completely uh, opposite. Yeah, and, and most of it is self-hate. And then the, whatever left is of hate, they hate anything else. <laughs> and uh, and ignorance. But it's in it's nice in the same way, the ignorance, because it also, you can be whoever you want. You can do whatever yes. you want. No one cares. There is no neighborhood watch here saying, oh, this guy, he's... Ah, he is working, working, uh, working out in in some leather outfit and looks weird. You know, no, they don't care. They don't even look at you. You know, yeah. so it has its pluses and minuses. But it must be a big change for someone like you. That it if is. you ask, you can't. You you probably wouldn't want to ask for help. You ask me of yeah, all people all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yes, and this is this is something that is the one of the most shocking thing. I guess also. I feel um, I feel very very much uh, exposed to everything, mm. right? And yeah, because you you are not in your comfort zone. You have not, you know. Now I'm building up like a soft network with yeah. friends and people, so I'm feeling more um, I don't know, safe in a way. Mm. But yes, it was a cultural crash at the very beginning. Um, what I can appreciate is what you say about Czechs in a way that. Uh, if if they don't give a shit on you, that also allows you to have more freedom mm. to whatever you know, yeah, just yeah. to dress up as you like, yeah, or yeah. doesn't matter, you know, yeah. just to. And this is something that it's quite positive. It's it's interesting mm. to explore this, you know. Yeah. You can't really talk about Argentina without talking about uh, Maradona. Of course. Um, he died last year, um, one week after his 60th birthday. Yes. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Maradona is, uh, switch this off. Um, you you don't you don't need to hear anything <laughs> more. No. Um, 
he is a very interesting character because in some way he ha- he has this um, Cinderella story. I mean, he comes from nothing, right? Yes, from slum. Like literally slum. Yeah. So there was like no payment, just mud. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, that's where he starts playing football on the streets. Yeah. There was no street, man. It's just... A There's a mud. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and somehow he... What is interesting about him, and it kind of, like, he he's this dark angel somehow, you know, he he's this imperfect hero. And I always had this feeling with him that no matter what he would do, the people of Argentina would always love him. Yes. And so, forgive him. Yeah. Yes. I, and yes, and this... Uh, again, has a connection with this kind of um, anti-hero. Mm. And we also, we uh, uh, we have this, we, we always like more anti-heroes, I guess, that are proper heroes, mm. right? So, Kid Richard was, uh, is... Yeah, from Rolling like Stones. A, yeah, no? it's like a kind of... Cult um, hero in totally. Argentina, yeah. It's like an idol. And, and Maradona is... Somehow the portrait of, uh, as you say, like everything can happen, you know, like uh, uh, there's no no restriction for talent, let's say. There's no restriction like you can do everything mm. and everything you want. And, and this guy was, of course, like super talented and discovered, I don't know if it was randomly or how, but the, the guy was discovering and from the slam he came... Uh, he came out being the, the 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 best football player ever, or one of them. And this somehow in Argentinian mindset, I guess that gives a little bit of uh, hope, mm. because most of people who are struggling or whatever or in our situation could think, okay, you know, this 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 opportunities uh, exist or these mm. miracles exist. So, mm. and I guess this is something that. We're a little bit like uh, rebels, but like sneaky rebels, you know, mm. like a kind of, um, I would say more uh, always looking for the dark, I would mm. say, or, or the non-proper mm. hero. Yeah. Right? And yeah, Maradona, I guess like everybody loves him there. Uh in some way or another, I'm not really super into football. Mm. I was, but he was so much more than just that. I mean, he meant so much more to the country than just football, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I guess this is because in '80s, when mm. I mean they got back from Mexico '86 mm. with the World Cup, yeah. the full team. And for example, I watched this in the re- recent documentary, which was uh, called Diego. Mm. And I I for I I was I forgot on this and I watched it again in the documentary and I remember and they were to the pink house which is the government house in Buenos Aires mm. and they just climbed the <laughs> so they they just hung themselves from the balcony mm. with the cup mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this scene no. if you remember it is in the movie and there's a scene that they was out of the public TV. And there was those guys, Maradona plus, I don't know, if Caniche or mm. which one, all, all, all of them. And they just hung from the balcony 
almost like a shirt open mm-hmm. to the chest, you know, and hung in the cup and million guys down, mm. like, you know, screaming and getting crazy from them because they came back with the cup. So it's what I'm trying to say is this kind of rival action, like mm. you don't, I, I guess, I guess you don't see that in Europe. No. So it's unprecedented invite some sport man yeah, yeah. to a president house. It doesn't Maybe. turn into a party hanging exactly. from the balcony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this is, we kind of like this uh, cheeky, mm. uh, rival, um, whatever, idols, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and even in his funeral mm. was the same thing. He mm. went, uh, and not he was dead, but the president invited the family to make the funeral in the, in the Pink House, Pink House, the government house. Then they put a coffin there, mm. and there was like million people going there mm. and making a mess. Mm. I chose to say last goodbye to Maradona. So, um, yeah, I guess it's also a little bit connected with this kind of um, not being uh, proper, mm. um, or I don't know, I don't know what is the. Situations mm. of being a little bit of a rival, being a little bit of a teenager, mm. you know, for your entire life. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I remember. I mean, like, obviously, I'm a little bit older than you, so I, I, I remember him all the way back to 1982 in the in the World Cup, and then 86 was the first time that I watched the whole World Cup, every match that I could watch, and I saw these things, and yeah, and I didn't realize how how significant this was for for Argentina because of the war with the the British I mean that must have been also one of the reasons why Maradona became such a cult hero yeah and this is exactly what I meant you know it's like um, imagine imagine the Argentinian mindset mindset it's a little bit that um, we we lost part of our land Mm -hmm. in the hands of Britain Mm. and the revenge was a football match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if there's a way to explain this, but to me, it says a lot. You yeah. know, it's like people still were thinking we won. Yeah. Because yeah. we won the World Cup against yeah. Britain. Yeah. And on the other hand, we were like giving up part of our land and there was like a lot of people there was a lot like a lot of deaths and you know, so and this is this is a, this is a portrait of Argentina mm. Argentina and how how Argentinians we conceive a victory mm. how we conceive uh success mm. so and 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 it, it, it I mean I I think that that was the kind of probably for Argentina back then, because I'm not sure that, I don't think that people realized how big Marathon would become, or like, you know, but I think this must be like the cornerstone of the legacy, that bringing home that cup, that revenge against the British. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He became an idol since then, and, and, and completely... Yeah, I guess like he, and then he was, it was amazing. He was, there's pictures, man. I mean, I don't know, I, I guess that, yeah, if, if maybe you may see them, but there's pictures on, online and he's wearing this like a fur coat. Yeah, yeah. Super fancy, yeah, expensive yeah, fur coats yeah, yeah. and oh. golden earrings and stuff like this. And it turned out in some like a, 
are like fashion that in a way that Argentina celebrities back then they were like dressing like this, uh -huh. you know, out of Maradona style. And I mean, you've seen it now, and yeah. it's super cheesy. But yeah. back then, it was like, uh, oh, that's fancy. I know, think it's cool. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it's cheesy at you all. I mean, get if, one if, of yeah. this. if you're Maradona, you can do what the fuck you want, you know. <laughs> exactly. But, but, and it's, yeah, it's, he's, he's like you say, he's like an anti hero. And I, I, I remember for me personally, I remember when he was, uh, when they banned him in Italy for, for cocaine use, I was very frustrated about it. Because I felt that it was unfair to judge him for something that was happening, um, because it was during summer. It was, the season wasn't even going. He wasn't playing or anything. He was just partying. Yeah. And I felt that this was very unfair. And I, I and but at, at at the same time as I, I didn't necessarily think it was the right thing to do to be a cocaine addict. It still, for me, somehow I thought, wow, and he can play this football. And, and still like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like he can he can be the best fucking footballer in the world, yeah. But he does coke like there is no tomorrow, you <laughs> know. And I was like, wow, that guy is good, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is exactly what somehow attracts us mm. in Argentina, you know. Mm. It's like a, this kind of edgy characters yeah. that you play with your luck, you know, and and in a way became some I don't know. Mm. Um, what to say more i mean you i guess that it's it's kind of it's kind of um how to say well appreciated if you are a person who could take risk mm -hmm. yeah in 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 our mindset you yeah, know yeah. it's like uh, okay you somehow could take a risk without doesn't matter what and and then if you manage this then you became this anti-hero mm -hmm. that that i guess that uh, didn't live by the rules, took risks, and but still yeah. managed to come out. Yeah, yeah, and and also you know, it's the, the yeah, absolutely. What I what I also feel is like we break rules in a different way that other countries break rules. Mm. Uh, we break rules. We mock on this. We mock on every rules. We mm. break rules. We sneak uh, around as much as we can. Mm. I don't know avoiding taxes or shit like this. And in some reason, we are proud of it. And mm. uh, and and it's something that I mean it, it's in your genes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. came here, and for me, I learned so much about taxes here. Mm -hmm. Fuck, man, I didn't know about all this. <laughs> you didn't even know that you had to pay tax. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what for? <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, so I, I know, and take and taking now advantage about to this, and and talking about my personal situation. I guess that. I I became, I guess, a better person or a better citizen mm. in a way out of learning things n that never been told to me. Mm. That's so interesting. In, in Argentina, it's bloody normal. You cheat with taxes. Mm. Everybody does. Mm. If you pay taxes, you're an idiot, basically. So, I mm. mean, you have to find an accountant who will help you to cheat taxes. Mm -hmm. And... All the time, this I mean, and this is just a little example, you know. And all the time, this kind of thing, this this kind of uh, behavior of how to break the rules and mock on it after, you know, mm. this is very, very, very common. Mm. But that's that's. I mean, I guess then the you can say that in some way, Maratona is the he is this what you described now in the flesh. 
he mocked the system. He he played by his own rules. He did his own thing. Yes. And I, what I, I've often thought about it, like uh, um, if he would have run for president of Argentina. Yeah, he will win. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he will oh, win. I would have loved to see that happen. Yeah. <laughs> But he had a good he had a good foreign policy though. I mean he he'd been hanging out with Hugo Chavez, he was hanging out with Castro. <laughs> of yeah. Che Guevara. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, he was absolutely. in Cuba with I think yeah I think he actually has a house in Havana that, that Castro gave to him. Um back yeah. in the nineties or something like that. Jesus. I they they sent him to Havana to kind of clean out of one of those overdoses or mm. something, and he was doing this treatment, like a, a detox treatment. Mm. And it uh, seems that didn't really <laughs> went well. No, but uh, this was supposed to be his fate somehow. He was he was not a guy that would become hundred years old. He, yeah. you know. But uh, but he left behind for us a lot of things to think about, a lot of things, a lot of memories, and a great. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, there would never be another Maradona. One thing happened to me here was really really interesting. On the last World Cup, we went to Viagra Bisali to this beer garden to yeah. see some some. I guess it was France mm. against Argentina. And there was, of course, it was packed. And there was some guy with the Maradona t-shirt and talking with the girl there. And, uh, and I, was, I saw a little bit of a space, so I asked him in perfect Spanish if we could just sit with them. You know, I'm mm. in Argentinian, because, of course, there was a guy with the Argentinian, with the Maradona uh, t-shirt. So the guy looked at me like he didn't really get shit. And I was like... I was like, okay, um, do you speak Spanish, you know, whatever. And then he was like, uh, no, no, no. I was like, okay, so you are not Argentinian. He said, no, 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 no. Mm. And why you you were in the Argentinian, you know, T-shirt? And I said, no, no, I'm a big fan of Maradona. Ah, where are you from? Syria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that means this guy, this guy was very, very someone, you know, he was very, very popular all mm. around the globe. I remember another story in the... This um, in radio mm. back then in nineties when Maradona was in Italy, I guess there was a case of a guy who was lost somewhere also in uh, in don't remember exactly, but like let's say it, uh, yeah like Turkey or some very very bad neighborhood somewhere around, mm. and no without speaking the language of course and quite lost without, uh, you know, kind of hopeless feeling that he will mm. be robbed or something. Mm. And then these people approached to him and the guy was really freaking out. No, they, they couldn't communicate because this, 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 this gang didn't speak English as well. And the guy was just selling like Maradona, Maradona. Mm-hmm. And it looks like, oh, Maradona, okay, yeah. Maradona. That and saved that, his life. Yeah, and the gang said, yeah, exactly. So just by saying Maradona... Yeah. He managed to save his life yeah. in a way, or just to avoid the risks. Yeah, and he he is he is that global name somehow. I mean, and he yeah, there will never be anyone like him. And he he was the hero of the people, you know, and, and yeah. one of us somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You studied. I know you studied uh, graphic design, or you became a graphic designer. Yes. And you started working with that. Then you you had. You worked in the U.S., right? I worked in the U.S. and I worked. Uh, yes, I started as a. I graduated as a graphic designer, mm. and then right after while university, I started working in television, doing mm. the motion graphics and all those kind of things. Um, 
I worked for major networks back then, mm. Disney Channel, MTV, um, Sony. Mm. And for some reason, I was a little bit fed up of this. It was like, yeah, you know, long hours in the computer and really not, uh, not really feeling doing anything really creative. Mm. And I decided to bump into film after mm. this, mm. just to try. It took me like five years to learn the stupid software mm. to work in the <laughs> film industry. And I did, I managed, this is one of the reasons I end up also here. I, I, I was seeking for a film post-production and mm -hmm. one company here asked me for, invited me for an interview. So I came and that was my first time in Prague. It was back then, 2010. It was beautiful. I was. It was a spring. I remember. And there was a concert in the street. People mm. everywhere. Like I don't know. I I, I remember that had that really, really, really nice feeling out of the city. And mm. um, so I managed to work in the film industry. I work in a movie called Olympus Has Fallen. Mm. <clears throat> As a, in the lighting department, I was working. I was. A you did the shades of the trees in the garden of the White House. One tree. Yeah. Yes. It there took was four a, months. But that was amazing tree. Yeah, and that shade that came from it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've <laughs> seen that scene on the window. I've seen that scene five I, times. I, I, yeah, I never seen the movie actually. You know, the people were like, yeah, "Come on, you work in the movie. You never seen it." I was like, "No, man, I got to feed up out of working it. You yeah. know, <laughs> I want to know what is going on there." But then you you. <clears throat> But then you didn't stay back then. I mean, you you went back after this, and then yes, and then you went on a like a world tour in a way, or you you started traveling. That was during this. That was during 2010. So the story is like I I by working in television, I had a small company, small studio, working for TV channels, and I spent like four years without holidays, mm. really, really working really hard. And 2010, I decided to shut this down and go for a trip. Mm. And that was beautiful. I did a seven-month trip mm. in Europe, and I've uh, been in 20 countries, uh -huh. 20 cities, maybe 16 countries or something like this, mm -hmm. let's say, 20 cities. Or on your own? Yes, on my own with my credit card. <laughs> but uh, it turned out a kind of... a thin as a paper after the trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavily used. Yeah. But you you had no issue with traveling alone for seven months. No, it was beautiful. It was even better to be alone for me than to be with someone else. It was it was completely open to everything. Meet mm. people, go in bars, go in museums, go in whatever, you know, just okay, checking them up and see, no, this is a small town here with a egg on shield museum. Okay, let's go there and see what's going on. This example of Because I mean, yeah, because most, most people wouldn't want to travel on their, I mean, like, you know, like it's usually a couple or two friends yeah. or something like that. I mean, and, and it's interesting because we just started talking about that you always played by yourself with your action figures and in yeah. your room and drawing yeah. and stuff like that. I guess I'm quite. I kind of learned to be alone, right? Mm -hmm. To be by myself, or to, or to n do not freak out out of this. Yeah, which is also quite important, you know. I mean, it's of course it's lovely if you are with someone and mm -hmm. if you're, if you're a proper partner. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, then you shouldn't freak out anyways. Mm -hmm. you know? And on this trip, what was there some? 
like um, interesting place? What what was the most surprising place, or what Jesus, was kind of like? I, um, I guess this this really changed my life. This trip, mm. um, I was really well. I was really happy in Copenhagen. Mm. I came here. I guess I told you this story a million mm. times. I I met my good friend Mariano in Copenhagen. Um, back then, I didn't know him. I wrote him through a website or some this uh, couchsurfing, uh, couchsurfing stuff. Yeah. So he invited me for a week to his place. And that's how you traveled. You were couchsurfing. And I was couchsurfing, yeah. yes, all mm -hmm. of the time, yes. And no backpack. You didn't have a backpack, right? You had a suitcase. I had a suitcase. It was, was like <laughs> completely fucked up after two months of traveling yeah. because it was like a really shitty Chinese suitcase. <laughs> and I remember like the wheels were breaking. Mm. So at the end, I was like just carrying it by the yeah, street. Tracking you know? it on the street. <laughs> <laughs> that was lovely. Uh, so yeah. I, uh, Copenhagen, sorry. So yeah, I met this guy, uh, Mariano, great friend now. Mm. Um, so, and he was like, yeah, you can stop by my place. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. And he was married back then. So, and, and he was working. And so his wife, um, uh, received me when I came to Copenhagen mm. and then she told me let's go to pick up Mariano to his office and by walking I realized there was something going on on the street mm. and there was like people dressing in weird customs like mm. even I don't know you can see like zombies and then you could see like a space people and then you mm. can see like a people draws like a cause and that kind of things and music everywhere I was like, what the hell is this, man? I mean, I will move to this town, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a carnival. Yeah, it was like a, a carnival, you know? Mm. It was like a summer, it was beautiful, lovely day. Then I met Mariano, Mariano said, like, oh, this, uh, this is called uh, Distortion. Mm. It was called Distortion Parade. And there oh. was like a, uh, like a music festival in the street of Copenhagen. Mm. And people with the doors open... So I, I ended up in someone's apartment, mm. just with, with Mariano and his wife drinking that someone who just opened the door and let people in mm. to invite for drinks and have party with chill and celebrate summer and good mm. music. And the music is just amazing. Mm. It's a lot of teachers. It's electronic music. I, I, I lived in Copenhagen. I remember this festival. It was great, actually. And then what I realized is that, that I mean, I don't know if realized exactly then, but I remember that back then I was listening to a lot of like Trente Moller, mm. of course, Bjork, a lot of no, um, Scandinavian music, mm. um, you know, I'm still rock, rock, rock shop, rock, shop, rock yeah. shop, like Jesus, you know. And I was like listening to this even in Argentina before this trip. So when I got there, I was like, I can't really believe that the uh, the the music in the airport, you know, the what, what, how do you call it, the music, like you know, like the a, elevator songs, yeah, yeah, elevator songs. It's just even amazing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how, how come you have such a good artist in, in, mm. uh, at least in terms of music? So for me, I guess Copenhagen was one of the mm. places I really liked the most. Mm. Also, St. Petersburg, mm. I was, it was completely different, of course, but the people was really nice, mm. really nice. And, and you were in Bel Belarus as well, right? I've been in Belarus, yes, mm. uh, for three, four days. Okay. Uh, also, Vienna. Mm. I really liked Vienna. And Back then, I remember when I came back home after these seven months traveling and mm. after these 20 countries, these 20 cities I, I, I discovered, I remember my top three was Copenhagen, mm. St. Petersburg, and Vienna. Mm -hmm. 
And for some reason, I ended up in Prague, yeah. which is a little bit of a mix of all, all of, of this, them yeah, in a way, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I somehow get this feeling that this is a little bit of mix of this. Mm. But yeah, it was a great time. And yeah. you and on this trip, I mean, like um, you, you had already decided, okay, I'm not going to go back into this kind of uh, video movie. But that's you closed down your business in Argentina, so you you didn't really have anything to go back to, right? Well, I guess that was kind of the idea. I was looking for adventure back then and and and, and detachment mm. and and see what. Europe will bring me, you know, what and Europe will. And you met a girl in a bar in Berlin, right? No. Really? No, did you meet this. her here? No. Which one? The one that brought you to Prague eventually. No, well, she, I met her here. Uh-huh. I met her here. Yes, 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 yes. So eventually I met my ex-girlfriend and, and yeah, and I moved to Prague to try with her. And also, I really, really liked this city. I was like, okay, give it, let's give it a chance to Prague. Mm. And yeah. And I remember when, but this is when we, we meet. I mean, yeah. you, the, this is kind of, you're kind of fresh off the plane in a way in Prague. Yes, and, uh, almost virgin. Yeah. And uh, um, I remember you, you kind of got into that. I mean, for those who are listening and don't know the, the kind of the culture here in the Czech Republic, then... Most people here do have houses outside of the city, or or they have family in some something that they call a hometown. Almost nobody that lives in Prague is from Prague. They all are from some other town or some village or something like that. And then the custom thing here is that at least twice a month is that you either go to that summer house with your family, that would be your parents, grandparents, even siblings and whatever. All the people that that you don't actually want to <laughs> hang out with, and and you meet with them every second weekend, and uh, they sit around the kitchen table and drink the whole day, drink beer, drink shots, eat food, and yeah, Gabriel, I remember you texted me <laughs> once. Um, can you come and save me? Because <laughs> and then I asked you what 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 what's going on, and then you were in one of those situations. Yes. And yes. nobody spoke English. No, nobody. And you don't speak a word in Czech. No. <laughs> so you you, terrible, you yeah. were kind of kicked into this hard it was, reality. It, it was like a trap because at the beginning, so uh, <laughs> as I. <laughs> I was dating this girl and we were like uh, living together. And at the beginning, I was okay, let's go to visit my family to the, this town. Mm. Okay, like I remember that back in my trip, I was visiting family of those uh, guys in even in, in Russia. Mm. So to a small town called Roskilde, as same as yeah, in Denmark. Copenhagen, yeah. No, no, that was in Russia. Uh, same name. Same name. Yeah, uh-huh. same name. And and it was like a oh, like a super small town. I don't know, maybe three hundred inhabitants, you know. And we were like we were like visiting whoever, like uh, parents of one of those 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 girls or guys from the couch surfing. Mm. And so when this happened to me here, I was okay. This is like once 
I don't know, every, I don't know, once within a couple of months or yeah. once in a... <laughs> but once it a turned year. out it was like a twice a month or something yeah. like this, you know? And at the beginning, yeah, of course, I was sitting there, poker face, smiling, <laughs> trying to enjoy. I mean, the food was great. Yeah, we were drinking full day. I was trying to pick up some words. Uh, my ex-girlfriend was translating something, but not really, you know, after some time of translating, you were also tired. Mm. So... It was like, uh, okay. And then those visiting started to be more often, often. And like, uh, one, I ended up saying, okay, you go enjoy yourself. I would mm -hmm. just go, you're going to be sorry to take a bath or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, and I, I actually like, because, you know, like um, for me, having been here over a decade, then obviously I met a lot of expats and, uh, and through that gym where we met, that's kind of where I formed my network of, of friends yeah. in, in, in some totally. way. And uh, it has been really interesting to to watch you somehow developing, yeah, and <laughs> in, and integrating into this society because uh, you you come from a background of which we talked about with Argentina being a different thing, where the kind of the default thing is helpful and and so on, and then you come I'm into a a I'm a fucker now. Yeah, <laughs> no. No, you no, you haven't become that yet, but uh, you're on your way. No, it's it's just it's really I I think I think your the culture shock that you had versus what I had coming from Iceland then Denmark and yeah. then coming here was a very different thing and uh, and yeah I think it it must have been challenging for you sometimes to 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 kind of figure things out here and. Uh, yeah, and you I mean, were very much on your own because you broke up, you and that girlfriend. You you weren't together for a very long time after you arrived, right? Maybe a year or something. Yeah, and then, you know, m most things you kind of had to figure out. And at the same time, you decide to transition your career, right? Yes, exactly, yes. Well, the thing is, after this, this I mean, career-wise, after this movie, mm. that was 2012. Was that the highlight of your career when you made the tree for the White House? Yes, only no. the leaves. Yeah, just the leaves, yes. <laughs> and after this, the thing is, I realized, like, okay, I'm first too old for this. Mm. You know, like, guys there were working 20 hours per day in mm. front of the computer. And after this... Afterwards, going home to play some games. Video games? Yeah, online mm. with their friends, you know. And this is like, okay, just not, I mean, 18 hours in front of a screen, okay. Not good, but okay. 24, not mm. good. Mm. And somehow I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not really that interested as as I thought I would be. Because mm. for me, it was like, what my, my sig was about somehow creativity. Mm. And I thought that, by breaking in film industry, you have a bit more of creativity or you will work in a more creative field than to work in a, in televisions. And mm. no, it turned out completely the opposite. I mean, it turned out like worse than working, feeling whatever, ex mm. Excel, you know, the columns or things like this. So, And something that happened to me is like, I got this with the eye. I just have a very uh, sensitive... I mm. and I got excited by looking at things and I need to have something somehow 
beautiful to see all the time and mm. be creative. I cannot work doing something that really um, is, is far Mo- from monotonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, what was the question about? Uh, you, you, when you come here to yeah, Prague, you're transitioning. Yeah, you're True. changing your so career. Thing is the thing is the. Uh, after this movie, I was like, okay, completely fed up of the industry, mm. a little bit disappointed, trying to be far from, from computer as much as I could. And before I came to Europe, I was like, I mean, assisting one friend of mine, taking pictures, and I was really like trying to help him as much as I could. And my very beginning of before, even before I started graphic design, I was taking classes of photography like back then film mm. so analog and I learned how to process the films and all the stuff and somehow I also realized that for me the, the the visual thing was all the time related with the image mm. for example in terms of design and you can play with different elements you can play with typography you can play with whatever, like more abstract shapes, and then you can play, of course, with photography. So for me, the image, like the, the realistic image, was always something that was more, but stronger than the rest. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at typography class, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like, I, did, I didn't really feel any enjoyment. I feel mm-hmm. bored out of this. So this transition... Uh, so what you're trying to tell me is that you became a photographer? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Plus also, I guess Europe helped me to this as well. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, you know, even now, I grab my camera, I go to the street and I get something. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of material to shoot. There's a lot of things to, mm-hmm. to, to portray here, you know, in terms of architecture, lighting, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it was like a little bit of a mix of everything that mm-hmm. makes me just decide this way. And how how... How has that been? I mean, I know, I know, I mean, I know you. Oh, so I know, hard. yeah, <laughs> I know it's been hard. So, so what? Why is that? I mean, because I mean, I know your 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 work, and I've seen it. And and those of you you who haven't, then t- check out Gabriel Matula. He he's he's done great stuff, both fashion and products and landscapes or your buildings and whatever. What has been the tough part? You know, what what is there a mismatch between you and and the market, or or you know? People are not ready to pay for this, or yeah. Well, I guess that nowadays everybody's a photographer. Mm. You are a photographer as well. Yeah. You have a great phone. Yeah, and everybody's a potential photographer, mm. and not everybody's an artist. Mm. So I'm aiming to this, right? So, uh, you know, I guess it's a little bit pretentious to see I'm an artist, mm. so I can say. I'm aiming for an artist, or mm. I expect to be the best artist as I can. Mm. And I guess the hardest part is to find a client who will appreciate art. Mm. Client in general will be, and of course it's natural, right? So out of a marketing department, and they will perhaps will be more focused on selling, or they may know better the products and they may know what is good for their products. And maybe for their products, it's, it's, it's better to have a, a selfie with a phone mm. rather than a photo with a proper camera or mm. a good lens, whatever. Mm. And I guess this is one of the issues nowadays, you know, with the industry. And just starting from finding the client who will appreciate 
art and who will uh, evaluate you by your artistic point of view mm. rather than which camera you have or stuff like this. Mm. But but that that's um, um, like the fastness because now most of the stuff that is created from for, for visual point of view ends up online. Yeah. And the lifetime of anything that is online is very short, you know, like you know, you you don't have like I, I remember for example we had this old Coca-Cola advertisement that was always put on television in Iceland with some group of kids in America singing by a Christmas tree and it was year yeah, after yeah. year after year I would like to buy the world the coke mm-hmm. and keep it company and then they yeah there's some harmony in it then it, it's it was aired for like 20 years you yeah. would you would you don't have this anymore the, the lifetime of something that is created whether it's visual or video or what, you know whatever media medium it is it's not there yeah. so I'm thinking like Okay, so if you take a company in some fashion or fast-moving consumer goods or something like that, they are coming out with something new every three, four, five months. So they constantly need to be producing. Yes, yes. And instead of maybe before, you could produce once a year or once every two years, and then you could run that stuff, you know? You need to refresh. I mean, I know that from my business that we we need to refresh everything that we create like every two weeks. It's crazy yeah. because we're constantly publishing yeah. and uh, and you're retargeting the old customers. So you need to give them something fresh to kind of funnel them closer to you. And that makes me think, brings me to the point, Gabriel, is that uh, is our companies, is it so fast that it don't even have time to work with someone like you <laughs> That needs, you know, you need a setup, you need lights, yeah. you need the assistant, you need, and then you need to process the photos to, you know, to bring out the real quality. Yeah. So is the quality being sacrificed because of time? By the, yeah, I guess so, by the amount of uh, content you produce. Mm. And I guess it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both, like, um, th- this, so in one, in one hand you have this kind of need of content, mm. which is good for filmmakers, photographers, videographers, whatever. And in another hand, you have this kind of easy and cheap way to produce it. Mm. So you, as a professional, will be busy whenever clients need like a high-end production. Mm. But perhaps 70% of the production of this content is a cheap, fast Mm produce you mm, know like mm. let's say like the fast food of the production you know mm. so it's something that it's either taking with the phone or it's uh whatever like a like a shoot arranged in three four days okay mm. tomorrow this is this, this boom low budget or spare money from another project then mm. okay let's take five pictures of this or let's make a video of this and yeah i mean this is how this is what's going on now mm. nobody knows what will happen in the future thing for me is um, trying to optimize my time as much as I can, even checking what's going on online, searching for new equipment, searching now I'm doing this crazy stuff I show you, I'm adapting vintage lenses on uh, new cameras, and the, yeah. you know, I just discovered that every lens is like a color palette. Mm-hmm. 
every lens will give you a range of tones, contrast, sharpness. Mm. It's completely different to another one. Mm. And so you're basically what you're doing is that you're figuring out ways to be different. Yes. So that what you offer is something that maybe nobody else can offer. Yes, in a way, yes. I mean, there's many. There's a lot of people doing doing different kind of things. What I'm trying to do is as well to add to be a good vendor and also add this, let's say, extra value mm. uh, in terms of the artistic point of view. Yeah. And to approach this, I'm doing research all the time. Yeah. Like learning. As I said, like, uh, okay, there's a lens from Soviet Union, 1960, mm. on eBay. You can buy it, and then you can adapt it to your DSLR camera. camera yeah. you know, and then your results, you get that are completely different than mm. the DSLR camera with the modern lens. So, you know, and I'm not saying that this is the, you know, them discovering the, you know, uh, Coca-Cola formula no, no, or anything. No, 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 no but, it, but it's in a way that you set yourself aside from the rest. I mean, you're doing yes, something different. Yes, yes, I'm trying to do something different all the time. And I'm, I'm, and I guess here, in a way, which is good and bad, it's like I'm bloody different from, <laughs> from everybody else. <laughs> from everybody else, yes. Mm. So that could be really, that could be completely good or bad. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm really doing something and I'm quite, in general, different than, than most of the people at least I know in the industry. Mm. And again, this, is, this could be good or bad. I'm not mm. saying that, whatever. But Yeah, it's always different. I mean, obviously, when you, when, if you come into a market, the first thing that people tell you is that, no, no, you can't, this is how we do it. You should do it exactly. this way. And, and, exactly. and it's, a, it's a, this change of direction that if nobody does anything different, things will always stay the same. And uh, you know, and I yeah, I I can see that f from your work that it's different from from a lot of the other work that I see from photographers here. But you worked in everything. I mean, you you do fashion. You you done advertising. Yeah, advertising yeah. and and a lot of different things. Yeah. And uh, um. But isn't it hard to be like a one man show? Because you need to sell yourself, you need to promote your services, yeah. you need to negotiate with the, the the potential clients. You might even, in some cases, have to find um, other parts of the production. You know, you need to yeah. find some subcontractors that are working with you on a project. I know that. I mean, I know you had some big projects, for example, with Samsung. Yeah. Yeah, and right. uh, for for mo mobile phones, right? Yeah, yeah. Recently, I shot two videos and fifteen pictures for a Samsung big campaign. It was really good. And to do two, two videos and fifteen photos. Yeah, this is what two days of production. No, that was three months of work. Yeah, no, but the the actual shoot. Yeah, two days. But the whole process is three months. Yes. So. And that's what I think people don't realize. No, of course. This is the thing, that you are working hard late nights for three months during the Christmas time, locked in your computer for something that will be seen 15 seconds in someone's watch. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so crazy. someone's phone, you know? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and regarding a being a, like a one-man man So is that better than, than working three months to make one tree in the White House? Yes, totally. I hate the White House. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to, to regard, regarding being the one-man job, I guess that I kind of 
fancy this. I mm -hmm. like it. It's kind of interesting to me. I guess that I, I guess I'm kind of good at it. You know, I mm. kind of good at deal with thousand things at the same time. Mm. And even with this project was very interesting because like the full production was given to me, so I was deciding and choosing the team and putting together a schedule. Of course, with the help of a production company mm -hmm. and a few friends I have here. But this this is this is actually interesting. I guess that. Um, I know how to tweak my potential. Mm. So I know how much energy and time I can invest in the in the pre-production. And I know how much time I can invest in the post-production and in the, you know. So for example, I know that I could manage uh, editing and retouch of the pictures quite fast. Mm. So something that will take for someone else, I don't know. Yeah, but that's Three also days. because of your background in yeah, exactly. graphics post production. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know that, that for example, for someone who will take a week, maybe for me it would be three days. Yeah. So I can play with these other two days and invest this time in something else, mm -hmm. and so on. So you know, I'm okay with this so far. Uh, What's been the biggest challenge to to kind of get yourself out on the market here? What's the biggest single here? Challenge? Yeah. I know. I guess the. No, everything was a challenge. There was no, no, nothing was really easy. Uh, but I guess because also the industry is, is super, is super tough, super competitive. And mm. just to come here without the language, um, you know, it's, it, I mean, mm. if I just think for one second what I did, I'm not sure if I would repeat it, you know, <laughs> like mm. just leave home, come to Prague without knowing anyone, without mm. knowing any clients, in the middle of a transition in my career, mm. searching new clients, learning some stuff. Mm -hmm. And learning the photography on the fly as well. Yeah, right? exactly. Mm. I mean, I, I had already knowledge about photography, yeah. but like uh, somehow I would say like... Um, you weren't applying it. Yeah, I mean, learning the style of what's going on mm. and, uh, and, and, you know, searching and... and and following the tendencies, this is also like a lot of work. Mm. And yeah, and you wouldn't I, have done it if you I would know, have known this. No, I will go to the beach. But is, <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that how it works with everything in life? In a way that you, you jump in, and then you figure out the way to swim. Well, to me, yes, I'm mm. like that. Mm. I guess you know me, and yeah. you remember me jumping from the cliff with his keys yeah I, I actually like yeah I, I because I, I I and that's what I admire about you Gabriel is that that you never there is no idea that is brought to you that you you just say flat out no you said yeah why not <laughs> and as I started with saying about our, our amazing motorbike trip which uh, yeah was just something else then I remember I I, uh, I uh, called you uh, I think this was uh, 2014 or something, and I asked you if you wanted to come skiing or if you had ever been skiing, and you told me yes. And uh, we drove to a town, ski t skiing town in an evening, and then we were walking on the streets there, and we stopped outside a ski store, and there was, there was this um, mannequin of, of a skier with a helmet, <laughs> and I remember you made a comment, why, why is he wearing a helmet? And I felt that comment was weird, but I didn't really pay <laughs> attention to it. The day after we go to the ski rental, and then... Uh, after figuring out your shoe size, which took some time, um, then 
you were weird, you felt that the skis looked weird. And then I could <laughs> it was see when you different than yeah, the one then, I ran before. Yeah, and then you stood on those skis and could see that okay, this this is weird. And then we went on the lift, and on the way up, you said, "Are we going up there? Are we gonna <laughs> are we gonna go down?" <laughs> and it turned out that you had been cross country skiing once, and uh, that's why yeah. you didn't understand why people were wearing a helmet. And uh, after this, it took me three hours to get you down. <laughs> From the top of the mountain <laughs> to the bottom, and then I kept you in a cafe while I did some skiing myself. <laughs> but but that's that was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I even enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed it as well. I love yeah. to see you out there in the. You have a cool pictures from I, this as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I, um, yeah. I think I think it's. Uh, I think that's one of the things that 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 has probably helped you is that you. You dare to go in there. You dare to make mistakes. You dare to try things that 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 you know you don't know anything about. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, we had a really interesting conversation on Sunday with my friends and mm. one of my friends and his girlfriend, and there was just about this, like uh, how s the girlfriend or, or or talking about someone else, like they uh, they. I don't know how to say this, um, but they can't cope much with failures. Mm. They, they, or, or, or they try to they avoid. Don't wanna take, yeah, want to take. Yeah, don't want to take risks. Avoid risk. failures, mm. right? So we were, my friend and, and and I, we were just trying to convince uh, this this girl, as also a friend of us and girlfriend of my friend. I was like, like, no, you have to commit mistakes. Yeah, you have to commit mistakes to learn. And then you have to be, and and have to be clever to learn how to learn from your mistakes. Mm. And then you have to be aware of your mistakes. And mm. then and, and you had to commit as mis many mistakes as possible to to learn and to avoid repeating this. Right? While we are bumping, and I just realized that we are surrounded of people that they are afraid of committing mistakes. They're afraid of fail. Mm. They're ashamed of failure. Mm. Like if somebody will point you, somebody will poke in you. Mm. Like you did this. I mean, there's no way you will do anything without being wrong at least once. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But I, 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 and I totally see where you're coming from. But it also, it it brings me back to this Argentina Maradona, uh, the 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 forgiveness mm -hmm. you know like yeah you you might have done something wrong in the past but my arms are always going to be open to exactly. you exactly if you come from that environment you actually dare to try you dare to make a risk because you know that the ones around you will not be there pointing at you they will actually be there with open arms to take you back if something goes wrong exactly until you come to czech republic and yeah, it turns completely yeah, the opposite. But it, I think, but I think you know, without being uh, some sort of a philosophist, then I, th I think if you look at the history of 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 this country, then and you know, the communism and and all the things that have been going on, it it has been a country where you very much should not put your neck out and yes, take any risk because then you get your neck cut off or whatever yeah. and. Uh, and yeah, it's it's. There is a reason why a lot of countries in this region are struggling to be 
modernized and being innovative because there is a certain stigma around making mistakes. And uh, and luckily, I mean, for me, coming from Iceland, from a small community of 360,000 people, we 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 can make mistakes. We do judge, but we, we still, we have You're to forgive forward, also. Yeah. yeah, we have to forgive because such a small community if we wouldn't start if we wouldn't forgive people we wouldn't have anyone you know like nobody would <laughs> function there so yeah but it's it's um yeah it's an interesting interesting thing to to this how do you say to have the balls to actually go out there and i, I see that i like that about about you that that i've seen you fail miserably <laughs> on skis on motorbikes and a lot of lot of different things but you always come back and i like that i mean i i really appreciate it i mean first of all it gives me a chance to laugh a little bit and then you know secondly it's it's just it's brave yeah it's yeah, brave yeah, yeah. um okay we're kind of ending it now but you're now you're a photographer that, that's what you do. I know that you, you know, you've been doing projects. You did projects in Denmark, Florida, um, Prague, um, and something in Germany as well. And for a lot of different businesses, there was something in Switzerland, I think. Yeah, also. Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah Buenos yeah, Aires. Okay, five years from now, where is Gabriel going to be? Uh, Skiing somewhere? Yeah, hopefully better <laughs> skill with the skin. Uh, I guess that I guess that in Europe for sure, mm. probably around this area, mm. probably Czech Republic, if not maybe Scandinavia. Uh, Still photographing? Yeah, photo, video, fashion, mm. advertising. I, I, I just found what makes me happy, happy and what can I can, I understand, it's, it's like for me, this two, three years now, until now, I just, I just find myself if I will learn a language. You know, when you learn a language, like you may try to remember when you, I mean, you speak, you spoke first Icelandic, then you learn English, right? Mm. So when, when you get to that point that you learn the language, right? And then you feel like you can communicate. So for me now, even if I don't speak Czech, I guess I learn a visual language. Uh, out of living in Europe mm. that now for me is really f uh, it's, it's really fluent. You it know? works. I, yeah, it works. I know the results of the last things I'm doing and mm. like artistically way or technically mm. they are much more interesting than even mm. three weeks ago. Mm. So still, my best picture, I didn't take it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you still, you still feel that you're on a path to something even better. I don't think that this path will never end. No, but that's art. Yeah, yeah exactly. art never ends. Exactly, and and this is why I just feel like, for me, this is like a visual language. I just, uh, I I learned, and I'm managing, and I'm, and I can express myself with this, even if it's in the name of a product or in mm. the name of a client. So for me, it's always like. There's a personal vision that of yourself that, yes, in it. I, I cannot I I cannot uh control. You know, mm. this is like whatever you tell me to do, you know, uh, advertising for some product and I will always add something a little bit personal on this. So and, and this to me is a way of express and this is art. 
and this is the the way I want to keep. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's interesting to listen to you. I mean, we obviously have spoken before, but we never spoke like this um, for an hour and 20 minutes without... Do you think that somebody would be interested in this? <coughs> yeah, I don't no? know. No, we'll probably. Just for us. Um, but I, I kind of feel now, after listening to you, that that the um, your this journey started when you were a kid. Yes. When you were drawing, when you were playing on your own. this It, it created an individual that could only become something that you are becoming now. Yes, absolutely. And it's not it's there's no coincidence in this 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 you know the, there was a little Gabriel Matula in in, in Buenos Aires uh, 5 years old that that went on this path somehow. Yes, yes. I mean this is <clears throat> this is something that is I'm, I'm the product of 44 years of mm. having a visual Mm. Uh, sensitive uh, excitement yeah. or whatever, yeah. and this is the this is the result of uh, yeah all my years of learning things, drawing. I mean, mm. I can in, I can tell you now, but I guess you know. I, I when I was a kid, I was I, I was learning like human anatomy, drawing, mm. color mm. theory mm. in my high school, in my university. Cl- uh, you know, like a spare classes of whatever, everything. Yeah, it's always there. It's it's al- it's, it's it was always something yeah. that this arousing and it's going out. But also the loneliness in some way. Absolutely. Being the, uh, the lone kid, you know, yeah. because no, you, most people would not go on that trip that you went, wouldn't go into, I mean, photography, that's a one-man show. That's a lone mm-hmm. ranger, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And still, you know, I'm just feeling like now, for example, I'm having a whatever, uh, after dinner time, mm. I I start working something, mm. even my own projects or whatever. Mm. So if it's not a if it's not a client thing, yeah, it's my own project like, yeah. or doing research or reading about lenses stuff, whatever. Mm. Well, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I want you to stay here as long as as I live here because you have been a source of great pleasure for me through the years, and I hope that will continue. Likewise, my friend. Whenever you move, just let me know. I can yeah, you can release come me. Along. <laughs> crash on my couch for a few years <laughs> but uh, uh, if people want to follow you so wh- 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 where yeah. is it you have a web page I have a web page it's gabrielmatula at it sounds dot com mm. mm. Instagram Gabriel Matula I start browsing now the Twitter mm. Gabriel Matula uh-huh. and I may be in uh, Behance is another network for artists mm. Gabriel Matula and yeah you just cool Gabriel Matula something yeah, will and you will find out. them yeah. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, to follow the show, there is a Facebook page called uh, The Bunker How the Hell Did We End Up Here? Um, my Twitter is Midlife Crisis Warrior. So, Gabriel, you go and follow me now. Okay. And uh, my Instagram is Midlife Crisis Warrior. The Instagram page of the show is uh, Bunker Prague. And uh, yeah, please remember to review, especially on Apple Podcasts, that's always helpful give me more exposure tell your friends about the episode and share it with anyone that you know thanks to the sponsors the old bar prague and alfred jobs or alfred.cz yeah i will think we are just done thank you copy for coming thank you very much for inviting yeah see you guys bye bye bye